You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks, we are back and there are a new class. That's right, a new class of musicians going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the year 2020. And is it somewhat controversial? A little bit. Is it popular vote? No, but it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. So we've got a great crew with us this week. But, you know, we'll get to that in a little bit. But, of course, before we get started, let's say hi to my co-host, who's been here every week, and he's in a class of his own. Let's welcome Mr. Mike Gordon. Howdy! How are you, sir? Howdy, and happy birthday, sir. Happy birthday? I didn't have a birthday. I'm you did it. have a birthday. <sighs> you got older. You went around the sun, my man. Yes, I did. I went around the sun and just passed around it over again and it's like wow the sun hasn't changed me on the other hand i'm always just getting grayer (laughs) yeah well i know they 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 come and they go oh of course it's funny i was going through photos over the weekend and i saw some of the photos from early years of us doing eso like when we used to do dr nose or titans and it's just like wow we were kids (laughs) You yeah. think about it. Yeah. So it was, it's interesting. And, you know, thank you for the birthday wishes and everything. It was a really good birthday weekend. It was pretty much jam packed. Um, I had me, we went to see live music two nights of the weekend. And we also got to take a trip up to Chattanooga and mm-hmm. got to go to Ruby Falls, which is a great underground uh, waterfall they have up there. And then they also, we also went, of course, to McKay's, you know, McKay's is just like, to some people, it's like heaven on earth. It is, you know, an amazing used bookstore. They also have UCDs, they have DVDs, uh, a lot of movies, comics, books, of course, toys, pop figures, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, they even have board games now and puzzles. It's pretty awesome what they have. It's a giant warehouse. And if you're in Tennessee, there's three locations. And, you know, if you're near Tennessee, there's three locations, one in Chattanooga, one in Nashville, and the one in Knoxville. Very worth going to. And I have been to all of them, I think. Yeah, because I've been to most of them with you. And they, uh, they all look exactly the same. Exactly. <laughs> but they have different fun, good content. Oh, exactly. And it's kind of like it's kind of like when you look at chocolates; like they all look the same, but you don't know what's in the middle. There's another chain out there called Second and Charles, and they just don't come close to what McKay's has. And it's Second and Charles has its own charm in its own way, and they have you know some really good stuff there. But for some reason, I'll drive the hundred miles to go up to McKay's. It's just, and then if we're in town for a con or to visit friends, you know, oh, we're within 30 miles of a McKay's. Oh, we're going, you know, (laughs) so it's always cool. 
So here's another little thing that's been going on I wanted to tell you guys about. Uh, you know, we don't go into a lot of personal stuff on the podcast a lot of times, but this one was really interesting. Judy and I got home from doing some shopping last weekend, um, and we got we were loading stuff in from going to Costco or one of those box stores things, and we were just, you know, getting through and look you know going through the house and you know just putting things in closed the door and we were in the entryway the dogs were like begging for cookies and we were not really paying attention and all of a sudden i saw something fly out from the where the fireplace is towards me i was like whoa what was that and then it flew back and i was like what what was that and the dogs didn't raise a stink or anything and they didn't get all excited about whatever it was. I said, maybe I imagined it. Maybe I just caught something, a bird out of the corner of my eye outside the, the window or something like that. No. Um, so I went down into the living room to investigate a little bit. And our house is fairly like an open floor plan between the living room and dining room and stairs going up. And all of a sudden, flying out was something i thought it was it something flew out from where the fireplace mantle was and then started flying around the whole area of the living room and into the dining room and i was like got to open the door what it's a bird it's stuck in here and i was just like wandering and trying to catch it or try to see what it was and then i it it stopped for a second and i looked at it it was a bat we had a bat in our house and i was just like Oh my God, how the hell did that happen? And so I just yelled to Judy to like, to, there's a bat in the house. And it's like, I grabbed a broom and I was like trying to, I, can you imagine this? Me swinging a broom, trying to not hit, <laughs> not to hurt the bat, but trying to like knock it towards the open, we opened the front door to try to get it out. We opened the slider and we opened the back door to try it. And instead it flew upstairs. <laughs> of course. So here I am running after it, and all this time, the dogs are ignoring it. You know, somebody walks outside down the sidewalk, the dogs are barking their heads off. A car goes by, you know, or a squirrel, anything. The dogs, anything like that. But no, this, that, they ignored completely. It was like, you know, they were like, I don't want to bother with it. They might have rabies or something, you know. Maybe in their little dog minds, they knew that or something. So I went up, closed, tried to, you know, open a couple of the bedroom doors, take out the screens of the windows, you know, and pain in the ass, true pain in the ass. And of course, the bat was just flying around in a circle, banging into walls and feeling bad for it, of course, the whole time. So Judy started calling like a rescue groups and such because the, the bat wasn't flying anywhere near anything open and he finally like settled up on top of the stairwell where it's like 12 or 13 feet up so i couldn't get to it and like hung down like you see in the movies when you see them bat you know hanging and everything it was just a, it was just like oh my god what are we going to do we you know we, we were we had plans that night already it's like i don't want to cancel my plans for this evening you know what are we going to do and Judy was getting all stressed out and we finally got in touch after like the third or fourth call with this, you know, with this rescue company. We finally heard, you know, they said, well, 
we have a guy who could be there in 15 minutes and he can come get the bat for you. And this guy came in, he had the long beard. The you called Batman? Uh, yes, we called Batman. <laughs> he just put the signal up. Exactly. It, it was like, oh, and he arrived in the bat plane, of course. Of course. Landed right on the street in front of the house. And with this guy, was, and his name was Joshua. He was really nice. And basically, he came in, had a, he said, I wanted to see. And he said, oh, I could take care of that. And he had a, like an extension ladder, popped it up onto one of the beams on the ceiling and climbed up to get it. He had these huge leather gloves on because he's Batman, of course, you know. That's course. Of course. But those are bat gloves. Of the course they are. And he just went up, grabbed the bat, and had it in his hand. And all of a sudden you heard like a gnawing sound. The bat was like chewing at his glove and everything. And he put he put it into a little, you know, little wrapped it in a towel and he put it into a little cage and he took it and he takes it out to his house and he has a bat and he house eats there. It. No, he does not. <laughs> Believe it or not, in the state of Georgia, it is actually illegal to kill bats. I found that. I did not know that. So that was our bat adventure. That's amazing. So tune in next bat time for the next bat. Because <laughs> he, he said he didn't want to leave the bat like right outside the house or anything because it'll probably try to get in again mm. somehow. And... You know, basically, he said, you know, basically, bats can travel up to 200 miles to get back to where they live or they, they settle. And But he says he, he puts the bats they capture into this bat house. It has, like, the scent in it and stuff like that. And they live right by a lake, and the bats fly out at night and everything. It's pretty cool. Have you had, ever had anything like that ever happen? Uh, I had something similar happen. I was, this was back when I was, uh, like a freshman in college. I came home for, uh, at some point I came, I was home. And, uh, so I was staying at home and, uh, everybody had gone to bed and all of our, uh, at my parents' house, all the bedrooms were upstairs and everybody had gone to bed except me, I was like, I'm going to stay up. So uh, I stayed up and uh, on one of the cable channels, Creep Show was playing. Right. And I was like, oh, I haven't watched this in a while. So I watched Creep Show, but I, I said, you know, I'm going to just do everything I can to creep myself out. So I, I turned out all the lights uh, and uh, just watched Creep Show in the dark. And then when the movie was over, I purposefully like turned off the TV and I'm like, I'm going to go to my room and not turn any lights on whatsoever. And I'm just going to creep myself out. And so I'm like bumping around the house and it's really dark. I'm going up the stairs and I finally get to my bedroom and I'm like, that was kind of creepy. It was kind of creepy. I open the door to my bedroom. I turn on the light and a bat flies in my room, flies in my face. What? Like, I mean, it was just like, it was like, I was like, oh my God. And I ran downstairs as fast as I could. And I was like, did that just happen? Did that just happen? And the commotion kind of woke my parents up. And my dad's like, what's going on? And I'm like, there's a bat in my room. And he just goes, what do you want me to do about it? 
and you know fair enough i was like i i i just i don't know so i slept on the couch and got up the next morning and uh everybody was laughing at me because i had had this like you know delusion that there was a bat in the house because uh, we looked in my room there was nothing um uh, and then my dad and I later on that day were watching TV and uh, the the women, my sister and my mom were in the kitchen and all of a sudden they screamed and yelled and ran out of the kitchen and they had seen the bat as well. It was in the kitchen. now. See, now they're doing something about it. And I was like, I was like, that's it. That's it. And so, uh, so they, the bat flew around the house and landed uh, on the wall next to the TV. And my dad's like, I'll take care of this. And, and meanwhile, I'm looking at it because I'd never seen a bat that close before. They are ugly. They're not attractive. They are not attractive. It was like it was like a deranged mouse with wings. It was just like, and it was breathing heavy. Was like, and, and, you know, God, it was probably as more freaked out than we were. But, oh, it usually is. So, uh, so my dad just rolls up a newspaper and goes, wham! Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the bat goes off the wall and lands right on the footstool, like on an ottoman, like a footstool, right? And my dad gets a, a paper bag and he's like, he's like, all right, just uh, just take the footstool and uh, move it, like just roll it into the bag. So I'm like, oh, this is sad. So so I pick up the footstool. My dad gets the bag. I go to pick up the footstool. The bat flies in my face. I drop the footstool. The footstool <laughs> lands on my dad's foot. <laughs> and, and the bat goes, flies away. And it turns into an Oliver and Hardy, uh, uh, Laurel and Hardy sketch. And, uh, and then we open the front door. We open the back patio doors. And somehow with all the commotion, the bat just says, I'm out of here and leaves. And that was our experience with the bat. And, uh, it was it was crazy, but it was memorable. That is awesome. Yeah, it's it's really interesting that that type of things happen, and you just never know where nature can take it. Which we is have no awesome. idea how it got in. Like no, this, no we don't idea. either. Like, and my door was closed. I have no idea. I mean, you know, whatever. I yeah. just it was there, and uh, well, know, exactly get places. Oh, exactly. Well, we're kind of thinking that you know here in Georgia, it's been. A, you know, really unsuitably warm until the last couple of days. Sure. And so we've been having the windows and the doors open. So uh, it could have flown in that way. Yeah. And Judy wouldn't have even noticed. So it's just, it's just interesting that, you know, once it ends, nature joins you, nature really joins you, you know, <laughs> so. You just never know I, uh, what's gonna happen. But you have cats, so they would have just found lunch pretty much. I, I, yeah, I don't. If if it had been a scenario where now the the bats would have come through, yeah, the cats would have probably been like wee, like they, yeah, it would have been an endless uh, toy for them to play with. Um, and yeah, that would have been strange too. But, um, but yeah, like I said, it's something that I'll never forget. And you know, good luck with the bats because uh, they're they're creepy. And uh, as much as I like them, as much as I like, as I grew up as a Batman fan and a Dracula fan and all that, uh, bats are kind of ugly. And uh, I don't, I think they're, they belong outside. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, <laughs> especially if they're wearing long dark capes and, you know. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they belong outside. Uh, you know, I wasn't worried that it was going to suck my blood or anything, but uh, um, <laughs> it was just, it was crazy. It was crazy. No, exactly. Uh, but it it and it just it was so stupid because it was like the night, the one night that I like tried to creep myself out. You know? And it worked. And uh and 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 Mother Nature was like, Oh yeah, this is gonna go I mean, they were laughing up there. Like, you know, like whoever designed whoever's watching us, man, was having a good time. Oh. Is that the watcher? What's his name? Yeah. The the one from the wa- Marvel. Atu the Watcher or something. Atu, like that. yeah, so yeah. Yeah, or the monitor, or you know, whatever. So, but uh, anyway, turn this uh, conversation into more of a geek fest. But yes, that's when uh... doesn't things on our show become <laughs> geek? Fest, you know, exactly. So yeah, that's pretty awesome, though. So you know, definitely it'd be interesting to see what you know what's going on and where people you know have other stories. Please, if you want write us <laughs> you've got your own bad story yeah if you have a story like that we definitely would love to hear from it. we'll read it up on the air so tell us, you, yes tell us your bad story yes and maybe we'll do a contest you know if you have your <laughs> if you if you have your favorite our favorite bat story you know we'll send you an eso window sticker or something like that <laughs> i think that's only fair so please write us yes, sure. station one at esonetwork.com Let's take a quick break, and we're going to be back talking all about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Reach out, touch space. Hi, this is Ashley Pauls with this week's Box Office Buzz. We're still kind of in those January doldrums at the movie theater where there's not a whole lot coming out. I'm really excited about some of the things we have coming up in spring, but we've got just a little while to wait yet. If you are looking to head out to the theaters this weekend, maybe feeling trapped at home with all the cold weather, we do have a couple new movies for you. The first one we're going to chat about is The Gentleman from writer-director Guy Ritchie. Now, Guy Ritchie has a very distinctive style, as I'm sure you probably know. You're either a fan of it or you're not. And based on the buzz on this one, if you're not really a fan, this new one, The Gentleman, is not really going to win you over. But if you do like Guy Ritchie's style, you're probably going to have a good time. This one has a great cast, including Matthew McConaughey, Henry Golding, and I have to give a shout out to Michelle Dockery, who plays one of my favorite characters on the long-running period drama Downton Abbey. So I don't know that I've actually seen her in too much outside of Downton Abbey, so I might be excited to check this one out just for her, actually. And we also have something on the scarier side with The Turning, about a nanny who is tasked with caring for two orphans. And since this is a horror film, you probably know how it's going to be go going. The two orphans are hiding some secrets. The house is creepy. So if you're looking for a scary time, you might want to check this out. Finally, on DVD this week, we have the movie Zombieland Double Tap. I went to see this one in theaters, and it's pretty entertaining. I wouldn't say it's necessarily must-see. The first Zombieland, I think, is a little bit better, but it's still entertaining if you like the characters, and this would be a good one to rent at home and just enjoy with some friends on a winter's night. And that's it for this week. If you're looking for more entertainment-related content, be sure to check out my 
movie and TV blogs over on the ESO podcast website. Right now I'm working on a series where I'm going through some classic westerns and this week I'm planning to review both the new and the old versions of True Grit. Look, we know it's a long time till Doctor Who comes back on the air. Sorry. But your friends here at the Earth Station Who podcast are here to help. That's right. Mike, Mike, and Mary will be your guide through this wilderness year with reviews of classic stories, audios, and even some group discussions featuring some special guests. Join us for new episodes every other week up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Earth Station Who podcast, exploring over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now we are time for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame class of 2020. We're rolling out the red carpet. And folks, do we have a lot to talk about? Ooh, wow. Okay. That doesn't that sounds ominous. Uh be be prepared for a three-hour show then. Um uh no, we uh of course we've got our uh our rock people here to talk all about it. Um we've got, of course, our iconic rock moment blogger michelle is here hello and ricky and bambi are, are here as well hello. hello howdy how's everybody how's everybody doing how's 2020 treating you guys yeah, it's all right, all right. <laughs> so excited well uh 2020 is treating one two three four six acts uh, very well, I think, uh, because some uh, were gifted really well. <laughs> so, so we have a, a list now. Uh, Michelle, Mike, and I talked about the nominees uh, in a little bit of detail uh, about what man that feels like a year ago. A year ago, <laughs> <laughs> the the voting process was way too long. Way I too thought long. Uh, this year, but um, in any case, it didn't really matter because the hall said eh, the votes, the fan votes don't matter anyway. Um, they basically spit on the fans. Yes, because out of uh, the top five of the fan votes, only one act got in, and that was um, Nine Inch Nails, correct? No, the Doobie no, Brothers. No, sorry, Doobie Brothers. Doobie Brothers. Doobie Brothers. Doobie Brothers, right. All right, so for those people who don't know, the the six acts that are uh, that are in this year are the Doobie Brothers, Whitney Houston, Depeche Mode, T-Rex, The Notorious B.I.G., Nine Inch Nails, and then there's two awards that were given uh, for, what, Outstanding Non-Music Performance? Yeah, the, uh, the Ahmet Erdogan Award, which is given to non-performers, which the Hall, in a, just a lovely piece of cronyism, has awarded to Irving Azoff, the manager of the Doobie Brothers, and John Landau, who, a uh, longtime manager of Bruce Springsteen. Both these men are on the uh, Rock Hall's Board of Directors. Nothing like cronyism, folks. <laughs> wow. Okay. I love so it. We're, so we're getting <laughs> right into it. Um, well, and there's been a lot of a lot of disappointment this year because I think because the um, uh, the fan vote was was dismissed so easily. Um, now, as we all know, the fan vote only really uh, like it totals up to allow uh, to account for just one vote when it comes to the rest of the committee right? The rest mm-hmm. of the, the, mm-hmm. the voters. So obviously going in, you know, it doesn't mean a lot, but it should 
you know, actually represent what fans, what people want to see, what acts they want to see in there. So, um, and to the, 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 yeah, like I said, the four out of the top five getters were not, were just not, were ignored completely. And, and for reasons unknown. And this is the first time since the um, advent of the fan vote, I think this is year nine, eight or nine, that the winner of the fan vote did not make it. Uh, the winner did not make it. That was uh, Dave Matthews Band. And the second place uh, finisher in the fan vote, Pat Benatar, did not get in. So very strange, very strange. And, you know, obviously I was rooting for Pat all along. I've been rooting mm-hmm. for Pat for years now yeah. um, to get in. And this is the first time she was on the ballot. Um, and, uh, yeah, it looks like she, they're going to have to try her again. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I mean, who knows how they get their nominees to begin with. So it's not like an automatic nomination process. Um, so, yes, there's a lot of subjectivity here. A lot of like behind the scenes things going on, but overall, um, Bambi, we'll start with you. What do you think of this class of acts uh, getting in as as far as being uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees? It may be embarrassing to say, but I'm actually kind of I kind of like this one because this is one of the few times where I've looked at it. I'm like, oh, I know most of these bands. <laughs> that's good. No, no, that's not embarrassing <laughs> at all. That's not embarrassing at all. Um, so many times where I'm like, I don't know who these people are that are winning the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> now, now, do you participate at all, or does it, is it something that's even on your radar as far as uh, the the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame overall voting nominations, anything like that? Not really, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I actually forget about it every year until somebody talks about it. I'm like, oh yeah, that thing happens. Um, as far as the 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 acts that are in the six acts that are in, um, mm-hmm. are there any that that strike you as um, being like definitely like first ballot or worthy inductees? Uh, my two, uh, it would be kind of hard to decide between Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode. Okay, to be honest, because I feel like okay, they're definitely two that are hugely influential to a lot of people. Yeah, we're. I think actually a lot. I like all look at it, looking at the list this time. I actually think all of them are very influential. So I don't think they're bad choices. It's just, I guess maybe personally, Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails are hit closer to home for me. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, Ricky, what about you? Oh, I I don't know what the hell the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is. There, they've got a rapper and a pop person in here. I mean, for me, only two of these acts are rock maybe three so i i I think it's a misnomer to call the thing the rock and roll hall of fame it should be the uh uh pop music that these 12 people like awards i think that is a that is an interesting point of discussion and um it's one that i've sort of become accustomed to um just because uh you know i've you know, Michelle and I have been paying attention, Michelle in particular, with the with the Hall of Fame for years now. And it's one of those things that it's it's a very weird term. I think the I think the Rock Hall should do more to help like people um understand their definition of what it is. Um but, oh, but they they don't care about anybody but themselves. Well, true, true. They, they but, don't seem to care at all what anybody thinks. 
but from, I don't even know why they do it. Yeah, it's like, so, how do they make money at this? Because, you know, that, that would be the end result. Is There has to be oh, some they, sort of way for them to make money. No, isn't it a location that you pay and go see memorabilia? It's like a museum. Yeah, they have a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame museum, okay, which is okay. in Cleveland. And, huh, and that's well, packed to the gills full of really cool stuff. I think I just answered my own question. They induct people who they think will be a big draw. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what kind of music they play, or apparently if they even play music at all, if they think uh, they're going to be a big draw to the physical location Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they put them in there. No, and yet, and yet, they completely ignore the fan vote. So, like, like for example, to use that thinking, then Dave Matthews' band should have been a shoe in, but yet they weren't. So it is a very I, like it is I a very strange they were thing. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm not aware of any Hall of Fame that has a fan vote or involves fans in any way. So, so yeah, this is yeah. So this is unique in and of itself. So, and that's true. Um, certainly, sports Hall of Fames don't really care about the fans, uh, <laughs> but um, they do only include people in sports, right? Exactly. Well, in that certain sport, you don't have a football player in the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's much. right. Right. I'm guessing, and I don't know anything about sports hall of fames. I I don't think I even realized that there were such a thing. But I wouldn't imagine that you would put somebody who is like an underwater welder in the football hall of fame if they've never played football. Yet we have people in the rock and roll hall of fame who have nothing to do with rock and roll at all. See, I'm thinking now. I'm like, do they have one of the you know the dog obstacle courses? I want to see, I want to see dogs start making it into it now because that counts as in the sports, isn't it? I mean, they play it on like ESPN and stuff. Oh, they may make it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The way they're going, yes. Okay. Dogs running obstacle courses are a big draw, so we're going to start inducting them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh god! Yeah. Look, I mean, it is kind of like I mean, look, it is kind of, and I've seen articles written, um, um, you know, about this too, and sort of, you know, about, um, you know, what people's definition of rock and roll is and rock in general. I mean, I can remember being sort of confused growing up and listening to Run DMC when they declared themselves the king of rock, and yet they are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they declared themselves rock and roll, and nobody was arguing except I think for maybe that was a few just people. a self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> um, you know, uh, Aretha Franklin is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and mm-hmm. I think that you know, just like you could make a case for Aretha Franklin, you should be able to make a case for Whitney Houston. I'm not complaining um, about Whitney Houston. So um, I, I, I don't know. Like obviously, but the but it's not like this is the first time they've done this kind of thing. So obviously, whatever their criteria is, they're still consistent with it. You know, they've had you know Madonna's in the Hall of Fame, uh, Run DMC's in the Hall of Fame. There's other rappers in the Hall of Fame. Like I, you know, so obviously they've opened their doors to allow for those kinds of music as well. That's that's what I'm saying. But they like, have, they, but they haven't opened their halls to country music or bluegrass or other types of music, but they're allowing rap and soul and everything. 
there's country people in the Hall of Fame. Not a lot. Not no. There's. Mm, yeah, but if there's any, that's. But they're most. Change. But they're mostly crossovers. They're not pure. I don't consider. You know, okay. I, I didn't consider Tupac a crossover artist, or you know, Notorious B.I.G. or N.W.A. or stuff like that. When when most of the beats and rhythms that they're sampling on their songs are from rock and roll songs. I think you could make a contention that uh, a legitimate argument that they are rock and roll. No. If they're using the very elements of rock and roll, old rock and roll songs to, to put their, across their, their music, then that's part of what they're doing. Okay. I get it. So in the sports hall of fame, you might have somebody who stole sports memorabilia. Exactly. So that means Pete Rose should be able to get back into the baseball hall of fame. Not exactly. not all not all of the sampling is stolen, Ricky. You know that. No, I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying by that logic, if somebody's in there just because they're sampling somebody else's music permission or not, they're not playing musical instruments. Rock and roll to me is guitar bass, drums, singer. And if you get in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with none of those things, then how are you a rock artist? So, I mean, so wait a minute. So you have to fulfill all of those? Like, so I, Elvis shouldn't be no, in? No, no, no. I'm saying you, you should at least have to fill one. <laughs> I mean, if you're not a singer and you're, you don't have a band, I don't understand how it's rock and roll. So, so out of the six here, the only one that you have a contention with is B.I.G.? Well, because let, let because, because you don't consider rap singing. Well, rapping isn't singing. Okay, that's what I'm just. So you don't consider that, and that's that's fine. But I don't. I mean, there's a lot of people that could argue with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. consider a fish a guitar. Somebody could argue with that too. They're just as wrong as somebody who says that rapping is singing, and that's fine. But I'm going to back up and say I don't care who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it's 100 percent meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. If they want to induct nothing but seals, either the military version or the Arctic animal, I don't care because the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is 100% BS. The only reason that it's in any way a concern to me is it's such a, a terrible misnomer. It's like army intelligence. You know, it's it's the kind of thing that... Uh, it, it's just grammatically incorrect to me. <laughs> but as far as who's in it, doesn't matter. It's not about album sales. It's not about talent. It's not about fan appreciation. It's not about anything. It's just however many judges there are. I don't even know if they're judges. However many employees are on the committee just make what seems to me to be completely random decisions on who to put in this thing. And uh, I don't know why this list is any more valuable than a list that I would put together or a list that anybody would put together. It, it's just the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame has zero value to me. So I don't care who they put in there. That's fair. That's fair. But, but also, um, and knowing all that, um, what I'm interested in and what we can talk about, though, is um, at least as far as these six acts go, I'm kind of interested in what we all personally um, have uh, thoughts about them and whether or not they are personally uh, inspirational to us or not. Not not, not so much like because you're right to an extent um, it is random. 
you know like there's no uh there, there's no rhyme or reason why some of these people are in and some of the other people are not um there just the number that they pick is seems to be chosen at random sometimes it's five sometimes it's six sometimes it's whatever right so <laughs> whatever a, space they have for the there's year. a lot of decisions that but much like we've talked about like last year when we when we focused on like the beatles or the kinks or or u2 or that kind of thing um it does give us at least a from our perspective doing the podcast it does give us kind of a reason to sort of bring up these bands and sort of look at, at, at their body of work and, and see if it's uh, significant and see if it's touched this person, you know? So, uh, so with that being said, uh, and, and Mike, um, I know that, um, uh, you know, as far as you're concerned, um, is, it, it, how do you feel about the list and, and how everything w- went down this year? Um, each artist up there and there's some decent artists up here. I don't think I'm not saying at all, that each one of those people up there don't deserve recognition. They're all very well-established artists. Let's get that across first. Should they be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or should they be in there in this class? No, not all of them. Uh, But I know there's also some political stuff going on behind the scenes. Uh, I'll give you an example None of these artists came even close to Dave Matthews or Pat Benatar in the fan voting. And the Doobies were not even a close third to Pat Benatar. And it was, it's just, yes, they've always made it, oh, it's all about the fans. It's all about the fans. That's why we let you vote. And this is just spitting into their faces pretty much. And that's the thing that bothers me about it. Each one of these T-Rex, Notorious B.I.G., Nine Inch Nails, I'm happy to see Trent Risner, you know, in there. Um, Whitney Houston, fantastic artist. I think she is great. Doobies, I think, you know, definitely deserve it. Depeche Mode, they were definitely, you know, iconic. I put them up there with The Cure, who got in last year. You know, for you know being innovators and you know of the you know the keyboard generation of new wave i put that them all there do i think this is the class that should be there no but this is what we got and that's you know what we have to live with does that make sense absolutely absolutely um um, and by the way i i think all five of these artists and musical groups are really deserving of recognition. All five of them have talent. All five of them have been influential. And then there's the notorious B.I.G., whatever. But but all five of the musicians and, and musical acts, I think, are deserving of recognition. I'm just not saying they should all be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And that's fair. And that's fair. And like I said, in taking that off the table uh, for a minute. um, So um, yeah, I just, like I said, wanted to, because one of the things that I do appreciate about this process is that um, yes, it's easy to pick uh, and select, you know, the guy, the the bands and the artists that are, um, you know, in the top of uh, the charts all the time and that people are, are familiar with, but I'm really um, uh, thankful that um, a lot of influencers 
have been able to get in uh, because they've been, you know, inspirational sort of on a um, uh, less than public level. Um, and yet they, they still are important. Um, I look at a band like T-Rex um, and I think uh, not a lot of people probably even are aware of T-Rex. Um, and yet they made in it. In this country. In this country, sure. And they made a huge impact. They made a huge impact, right? They are huge for <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry, something Sorry, just something so... just fell on me. <laughs> um they are huge in Great Britain. You ask any contemporary British artist about T Rex and they will just go on and on about them um they're very important to Def leopard uh the cure was ecstatic about their um induction i think depeche i think depeche mode may have mentioned it i'm not sure but it's it's an america america centric view to think t-rex wasn't important they were the the grandfathers of glam uh mark boland was a contemporary and uh, an inspiration to Bowie. If, if Bowie was here, he would be in, inducting T-Rex without doubt. Um, so that's one reason I don't get hung up on the fan vote, because if you get a lot of American fans, they don't know these things. So people who know rock history and know how to draw the lines, they put in artists like this. So this, this is a, a large. Now for T-Rex, this is not their first time on the ballot, right? They've, they've yeah, been. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Wow. So they're yeah. first ballot inductee. That's the, amazing. The hall and the last two or three years, the hall got away from its America centric um outlook a little bit and they put in a lot of british people um last year uh janet and stevie were the only non-brits and the year before that um the cars year um there was a fair number of brits and the year before that so they've kind of been packing with brits lately and this is a direct result of that what uh, uh bambi what uh, what can you tell me about t-rex are you familiar with them no, just had to look it up when you're talking about it. I was like, I know the name, but I was like, oh, I know their songs. I, I know you know two songs of theirs, it, right? I just may not know them by title. As I was like, if if I heard them, I'd probably maybe be familiar with them, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like Bang a Gong is like the big one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so and and that was, I mean, most most people probably know that more for Power Station, right? Mm-hmm. Nowadays, yeah. well, I don't even know if nowadays they know. In the 80s, certainly they did. But, um, uh, yeah, Ricky, are you from, well, you must be more familiar with T-Rex, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and what are, you, what are your thoughts on, my, on T-Rex? My thought with T-Rex is you wouldn't have had the entire British side of Glam without T-Rex. Right. I mean, they, exactly. They yep. were hugely influential on all of the British Glam. And I would include David Bowie in that. You know, oh, they definitely were, David Bowie. I, I would say for America, the big influence 
in a completely different way was the New York Dolls. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a that's and, a that's an interesting comparison. Yes. And I mean, I I don't want to say the New York Dolls are the American version of T Rex because no. that's not the case at all. But no. just in terms of the New York Dolls influenced so many American bands. And I think T-Rex had that kind of impact even more on British bands and, and the entire British glam scene. So they're hugely important. And, I, I and definitely... we probably would not have gotten even bands like Kiss, right? If it hadn't been for glam and, and that. Well, Kiss is a, a great example of a band who is hugely influenced by the New York Dolls. Mm-hmm. Mm. The Ramones, hugely influenced by the New York Dolls. Do, do you think that it is T-Rex, would you put their influence at just being visual? No, 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 no. Musically, they had <sighs> anthemic songs in the way that a lot of glam bands, even American glam bands later, were doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were... <sighs> It's difficult to put into words, and obviously you can come up with examples of other people who did this before them, but they were so great at making uh, rock big. They just made it so big. In terms, know, of, in terms of like performance. Their, right? their like, songs like, and their show was just... Right. Like they could play effect. like a small club, but it, you would think that you were seen in like an arena band. Exactly. And their songs, you know, sing-along choruses in a way that was like stadium sing-along choruses, not just, hey, I'm listening to this song and I'm singing in my bedroom. It was just like huge choruses that just, I'm not saying the size of their shows just needed to be arenas, but I am saying the size of their sound is perfect for arenas. They sound sound like they would be like, like really like like a step uh before like say leading up to queen right mm-hmm. yeah oh, yeah. Kind I of, yeah i could see mike, that mike what do you what do you think about t-rex t-rex i think like you said is a true you know a true innovator and a lot of people have gotten their sound and influenced by this band and I think, you know, just listen to Bang a Gong and, you know, all that album that that came from, it's, it's almost every song is memorable. And they, I wasn't a hundred percent sure they were going to be a first round, you know, first time in, but I'm happy to see them in. But, you know, I think, you know, I definitely think, you know, going forward, you know, with, you know, cause they're, they're also getting really old. So we got to get them in before they're still alive. I think there's only like one. There's only one left yeah. alive in T-Rex. Only one member left alive in T-Rex. One and Mark Boland's girlfriend, uh, the mother of his son, Roland. And I am blanking out on her name. Sorry. Um, little little side trivia note. She did the version of tainted love uh she was in t-rex um for a while and and played so technically she was a member she was not on the she's not on the list to be inducted um <laughs> but the but, can't be choosers yeah send but, her to um, cleveland um 
And, and and that's an interesting point too. I mean, out of all the six of the, the six people on this list, um, like most of T Rex is dead, and of course Whitney and and Big are dead. So, um, yeah. So they, they this will be maybe a short ceremony. Uh, they'll probably be tributes. So, oh tribute, yeah, tribute to Rama. Yeah. Um, next up, let's talk uh, Doobie Brothers. Uh, now, what's the history with them getting in the show? Like, is this, this isn't their first time. Uh, I think it is. Is it? Mm-hmm. So Michael McDonald is now going to be a Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> so that's, uh, yeah, the implications hey. there are pretty tremendous. What a fool believe. <laughs> Who could have guessed it? You know? <laughs> but uh, Doobie Brothers, I think were, like, they were the only ones that were in the top five. Yes. Uh, for the fan vote that got in. So, they were number three. So, so, so why would you say that? I guess a lot of people listen to their music. (laughs) Classic rock always does well with the voters. Oh, yeah. Now, Bambi, are are you as familiar with them? I know China Grove. Okay. (laughs) I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm, I know, I know other, uh, like other songs I do, but China Grove is the only one I can like think in my head. And I will say every time I hear the Doobie Brothers, I forget that that's their band name because they don't sound like they would be called the Doobie Brothers to me. The Doobie <laughs> Brothers to me really sounds more like like they'd be like um, like one of those singing groups from the 50s. Oh, like the Everly Brothers or something? Uh, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> well, no, they were basically the Pot Brothers, the Doobie Brothers. Yeah, oh, I get it. I get it. It's just... I don't know. It just, it cracks me up every time I, I hear it. Not one of them was related. So, <laughs> you know, and that's the great thing. When I was little, I used to get the Doobie Brothers and the Almond Brothers confused. And then it was just like, oh, when I saw the record cover for live at uh, Fillmore East, and it's like, they don't look like they're related. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, son, we need to talk. <laughs> What's a doobie? Oh, oh, I knew that by that age. Think about well, course, my, who my, who my parents you, were. Yeah. yeah, of course you did, Mr. I was at Woodstock. Exactly. So, yeah, it would be, it would be interesting to see and, you know, to, for them to be part of it. They have such a rich catalog of music and, you know, everything from the, you know, pre-ballad era where Michael McDonald was mostly the singer and, you know, then to the eighties and such where, you know, it was like you had, you know, dueling Michael McDonald's and stuff. And then you, you know, the doobies pretty much then became, you know, just like a classic rock band after Michael McDonald left. I, uh, I didn't ask this for T-Rex because I, I was pretty sure that the answer was none. But uh, do you guys, have you guys, um, Ricky and Bamba, you guys covered any uh, Doobie Brothers songs? Uh, probably not. We probably haven't. Gotcha. I, anybody on this list? Have you covered any of their material? Um, well, Depeche yeah, Depeche Mode and Nine, Nine Inch Nails. Nails. Okay, cool, cool. I remember. Um, let's, talk, um, let's talk some Nine Inch Nails. Um, I know this isn't the first time they've been on a ballot. Third, third time. Um, and to me, they were they were a no brainer. I mean, uh, I can't think of too many more influential artists to come out of the nineties. 
Yeah, late 90s, right? Yeah. Wait, then, wait, wait, late 80s, wasn't it? Wait, who? Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails was late 80s. Yeah, yeah. Was 80s. it late 80s? Yeah. Late yeah. 80s, sorry, late 80s, yes. You're right, late 80s. Um, and that, I mean, they really, they, they define that sound, right? Like, there was alternative music, and then Nine Inch Nails came along and just kind of owned everything. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it, 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 like, they, they turned, like, goth up a notch. <laughs> like well, it came it became like dangerous like i i thought you know i mean prior to that it was like the cure and Susie and the banshees and and this sort of like mellow rhythmic uh sort of alternative music um new order is one of the ten, one of those that i use as a, but nine inch nails came in line it punched people in the throat i oh, yeah. very much so yeah. Yeah. i feel like nine inch nails came out and they were just a new thing yes yeah it was interesting because nine inch nails was kind of like the go between between when they were going for new wave and then also then going into grunge right in between was nine inch nails oh see i hear i hear like it's a cross between new wave and metal (laughs) well that too but it's you know but you know you know you had you know out of like stuff also that you had nine inch nails you also got metallica and other bands like that mm-hmm. and you know with that feel and it was real interesting to do and you had a lot of the headbanger but i always thought nine inch nails was more experimental than any of those other bands yeah they didn't sound like anybody no yeah, I agree. I also love how you keep saying they didn't sound like it. it's really. He didn't sound like. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's really Trent. It's all Trent. Uh, <laughs> it's all yeah. Trent Reznor. Yeah, and the producer. Yeah, and the producer. Yeah, I mean, with with was that it like flood, was it flood? Yeah, with with that type of music, I think you've got to give the credit a lot of the credit to not just the artist but also the producer. With uh, with a lot of the bands on this list, you know they could go do a live performance before they were famous. Like the Doobie brothers, the Doobie brothers could just show up someplace and put on a show and sound like the Doobie brothers, but you don't have that with nine inch nails. You've got to have that production. That is true. Yes. Agreed. And so much so that, you know, I know that, I know that Nine Inch Nails live was an experience. Actually, as a matter of fact, out of all the six artists, Nine Inch Nails is the only band I've seen live on this list. Um, and, um, but yet, I think it was more like a, a more of a community to go see that. Like it was a more of a community thing to go see them live. It wasn't like the music was outstanding when you saw them live. Like, like, like listening to their produced work. And of course, you know, Trent would do all these sort of, remixes of songs uh that were that you had to get all of them of course because you know they were all really cool and so it seemed like he was doing things on as ricky pointed out on one more of a production level right yeah Yeah. he was instantly influential within like years because within years of nine inch nails debut uh they started like there was imitators to be sure but then there's also like trent starts producing other bands like almost right away so and so you got all these sands i like would we get marilyn manson without nine inch nails i don't think so no but literally you wouldn't no I not mean, at all he, yeah. he's the one that made them yeah and one of the things that nine inch nails he wasn't like trent wasn't the first one to do this 
but he was hugely influential in the way that he used keyboards. He detuned the keyboards so they didn't, they were slightly out of tune to give him a creepy vibe. A lot of people just wouldn't think to do that, but it really influenced that type of music. Now you guys have said that uh, you've, you've covered some Nine Inch Nails songs. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, is that tricky? Yes. <laughs> yes. You you can't just pick up one and cover it and people it, it come across correctly. <laughs> I pick up the ones that are a little bit more guitar heavy for it to work. Right. We uh the the one that worked the best was probably Wish. Yeah. Which you'd mm. recognize the guitar riff and a couple of the lyrics if you heard it. A lot of people don't know it's called Wish. They just recognize the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, that's another thing about Nine Inch Nails. It's like if you look at the song titles, you're like, I don't know any of these songs. <laughs> <laughs> the first single was Head Like a Hole. Yeah, well, that's the true. The chorus is the, the title. Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't think Closer would be called Closer, though. Right. No, so. no. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, but well, because what you usually think of with that song, they couldn't print, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a family show. So, um, uh but yeah, so I, I am, yeah, obviously ecstatic uh, that Nine Inch Nails is in because I get to claim another rock hall as one that I've seen. So I can check that box off. Um, I want to switch to uh, talk about, because uh, I don't think we're going to spend this long on it, because probably because none of us know really a lot about it, but Notorious B.I.G. Like, I mean, I know, I know, Ricky, I know your thoughts on B.I.G. already. Um, but I think as far as, you know, like I said, taking it off the table of, of rock and roll and that definition and everything, um, the fact, I mean, I don't, I couldn't name a Notorious B.I.G. song. I just couldn't. Like, I just don't, like, he only did two albums and I just, I'm not in that, in that wheelhouse. But yet I know that he's like an inspiration to hip hop and, 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 and that movement just because it's iconic. Like his, his, his image is everywhere all over that. So um, I can only imagine that what he did made an impact that way. And I don't know, you know, is it because he died and the way he died? I don't know. Or was the, the work there really legit, like influential? I mean, I don't know, Michelle, do you know, because you've done blogs and stuff. Do you I, know a little bit more about? I will be upfront. I know one Notorious B.I.G. song. Uh, he is completely out of my wheelhouse. Same here. Yeah, same yeah, here. We're, we're all just much too white. Right? <laughs> and nerdy. Uh, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we're white and nerdy. Uh, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Not, well, not I want to back up and just say, I don't think it's a racial thing, because if you want to talk about Miles Davis, I can talk about Miles Davis. No, no, sure, sure, sure. But there are no, a lot no. of other uh, who is in the hall. So um, I love Miles Davis, but he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yes, yeah. he is. Um, <laughs> uh, is he an early influencer? I want to say they put him in as a performer. Wow. Um, and okay, so I guess on that note, I mean, we can all now, unlike Notorious B.I.G. I I don't you know I don't think you could grow up um, like certainly within the last uh, thirty forty years and not know who Whitney Houston is. Oh no, uh, of course not. Um, uh, you know she can I, sing. Oh yeah. 
absolutely. Um, you know, I wonder if her daughter dying had any influence over the boat this no. year. No. no, you don't think so? No, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I think she's just one of those that, uh, I, I mean, it, it's weird because it took so long for Janet to get in. Mm-hmm. Um, but Whitney got right in, which is interesting to me because I would think as more of a complete musician, Janet to me is, I mean, she writes, produces, does her own stuff. Like I, I, Whitney, I don't want to take away from Whitney by saying this, but Whitney had a very powerful weapon in her corner and his name is Clive Davis. Okay. And is he, I don't know who that is. Clive Davis is a legendary record producer. He was Whitney's mentor. Uh, let's see, he's the, he found Arista. Mm-hmm. Yeah, founder of Arista. I mean, he's he's a titan in the industry. And he was pulling for this for a while. And when, when Clive Davis speaks, people listen. And... Uh, Unlike the fans yeah. of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Touche, <laughs> touche. <laughs> the, uh, um, but look, I mean, as far as I don't think you can, I mean, I can't, I can't argue with her success. Uh, I mean, that she's uh, with, and with her voice too. I mean, I, like I, I have some Whitney Houston tracks on my playlist, uh, you know, uh, like she's, I don't have whole albums, but um you know, there's a few songs that I can't imagine like the '80s being without her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dolly, um, Part- Dolly Parton thanks her all the time for all the money she's making. <laughs> I know. I was, I was thinking. I did think it is kind of interesting uh, because uh, I actually it's a it's a thing between Michelle and I that uh, I think you could make an argument that Dolly Parton should be in the, the Hall of Fame. Oh uh, God, yes. And 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 this is one of the reasons. Uh, because not only did she perform, but she actually wrote a lot of tracks uh, that became uh, huge. And uh, Whitney Houston's probably her biggest hit. Yes, was, was written by Dolly Parton. Of course. So, um, mm-hmm. any other thoughts on on Whitney? No, I think Whitney deserves it. Gotcha. I don't know who's going to like. I don't think Bobby's going to be allowed in. Like I, don't no. like, 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 like I don't, I don't see that happening, but, uh, I don't know, man, her, her mom's still around, right? Um, her mom, Sissy, Sissy Houston is yeah. still around. Um, my, yeah, my guess is Clive Davis will induct her. Is Dan Warwick in? No. Um. She was on for a couple times, but I don't think she ever got in. No, she's never been nominated. There's there's some people that feel she should be, um, but she's never been nominated. Um, Sissy might accept on her daughter's behalf. I think Clive will definitely do the the uh, speech for her. I must admit, too, unfortunately, you know, no matter what I think about her voice and her talent and the music that she made and everything like that, unfortunately, uh, her antics and reality show towards the end of her life just taint a, a mm. bad picture for me, for her. So otherwise I would, you know, I always thought of her as, as like, you know, at least classy, mm. but not yeah. after all of that. Mm. And I didn't even watch all of that. So I can't say for sure, but just the times that, and the things that I've been aware of that uh, all 
that went down just seemed like it was just trashy. <laughs> I, my my opinion of her is a little bit different just because my one of my brothers met her when we were really little. Oh wow! And we, we were at an event and he got into an elevator with her and she was apparently insanely rude to him and he was just a little kid. Uh, he I just got that. in there and she was really offended that there was a kid in the elevator with her. So I'm like, eh, yeah. She was a really talented singer, but my opinion of her as a person isn't very high anymore. <laughs> Last but certainly not least, uh, we'll cover Depeche Mode. Um, they they seem to me the youngest of the acts. No. No? No, that's right. Nine Inch Nails is probably no. No. The yeah, best mode is younger, is older than uh, Whitney. Yeah. And I'm yeah. pretty sure they're older than Notorious yeah. B.I.G. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably United Gales. Right. Yeah. God, I just, man, time just is messing with me. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. So, Depeche Mode. Um, you know, they're a prime example of uh, one of the mel- melodic like alternative bands that I was talking about, but uh, like mm-hmm. with the cure and all that, like they, they were at the top of that, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd say after the cure, there's mm-hmm. Depeche Mode, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and when the, when the cure was inducted last year, the tongues were immediately wagging. It's like Depeche the next doors year, open, Depeche next the doors year, open for now alternative rock. And I think mm-hmm. even before that, we, we pointed out, I think rightly so that new wave, with the cars getting in, open that door to allow more alternative bands to get in. And I think mm-hmm. we're seeing that. I mean, yeah. the fact that Nine Inch Nails and Depeche Mode are both getting in this year oh, yeah. is amazing to me. Because they, well, they almost fill the same slot in the line. Well, exactly. And the great thing about Depeche Mode is they've had multiple comebacks over the years, too. Sure. They've, sure. they've you know, outlived a lot of, you know, of the alter, other alternative bands. You know, they had an amazing um, album, you know, early 90s with, you know, that one album that had Personal Jesus and, Mm -hmm. you know, Violator Violator was just an awesome, awesome CD. It was one of my favorite, actually, by them. I like Songs of Faith and Devotion. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And it's it's pretty awesome, you know, you know, Enjoy the Silence. Cool. Great Mm -hmm. song. And everything. And, you know, then you had, you know, People Are People earlier on and, you know, all these other songs. And they were, you know, definitely cut out of that era that The Cure was cut out of. Yeah. And you're right, though. They kept making albums for, you know, like, like generations. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think Um, they were big. And, you know, I think their final comeback big thing was in the early 2000s. But when Exciter? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you definitely, I definitely understand why they were nominated. And I definitely think, you know, I put them up there with The Cure. I think if you wanted the perfect trifecta, I would have the Smiths right next to them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I can see that. Yeah. So I, I think, I think New Order is like right there too. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, exactly. Totally New Order. Yeah. So, so, so Bambi, more thoughts on Depeche Mode? You guys have, you, you said you guys have covered some of their stuff? Yes. Yeah, yeah, we did People Are People. Of course. Yeah. Did we do anything else? We, uh, it's the only one I can think of off the top well, of my head. We did People Are People numerous eras of, of yeah. our career. Yeah. We didn't just... There are some songs that we covered briefly and then just never covered again, but People Are People is one that we've gone back to several times uh, mm-hmm. for periods of time. It's basically... 
there's some songs that they kind of run their course and people just don't want to hear them anymore. And that never really fully happened with Depeche Mode. Yeah. It feels like Depeche Mode is one of those bands where everybody's familiar with them, but there's like the rabid fans and then everybody else tolerates them. Like they're, they don't <laughs> dislike them. They're just like, yeah, it's fine. Hmm. I don't know. At least it's not like, I'll give you an example. Uh, Nirvana is a band that a lot of people get pissed off if you play Nirvana. Yeah. Just, it's like makes them their skin crawl. They will. Oh, leave. wow. Okay. And uh, there are other bands like that. They've got a ton of mostly people who are like, oh, I love this one song. But uh, they also have the people who are like, I like everything they ever did ever. And then people that are, I hate everything they ever did ever. Um, And Depeche Mode is one of those bands that has the people who say, I like everything they ever did ever, but I haven't really run into many people who hate them. Yeah. It's, it's like most people are like, I'm not into them or what, but they're fine. They won't, they won't cringe. They're like, yeah, it's cool. I understand why you like them. I, they're just not my cup of tea. Yeah. They don't, I don't hear people that are like, Depeche Mode needs to die. Like, they do. <laughs> they're well, like, you know, too late I, on that. I, I do remember I there was a bit of uh, outcry. There is the with... KMFDM. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, <laughs> there is right was there a, that is true. There was a bit of outcry with Personal Jesus as a single. I do remember that. But that's about it. I mean, a lot of church really... groups came out about yeah. that. Yeah, but how can you really be angry with you know people are people? I mean that's like a kumbaya song. Like it's 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 it's, 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 it's the it's the alternative kumbaya song. Like you know usually goth has such a depressing message and and Depeche Mode was here going people are people. It's like wow, <laughs> like, hold hands and give each other hugs. Exactly. Um, are you guys so, saying that Depeche Mode was the hippies of? <laughs> <laughs> i see nothing wrong with that folks i'm gonna see tie-dye and black like blacks and grays now and, and if we're if we're name dropping since you guys didn't already name it my my favorite depeche mode album is strange love oh that's a good one too yeah so um but uh well very cool um well there's your class of the rock hall 2020 so and there's our our views on on everybody who's in including uh you know those uh the 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 the, the voting process as well as the the hall itself um so um but i think it's it capitulates what a lot of people are feeling about especially you know the fact that this this year because of the dismissal of the fan vote in particular i think it's raised a lot more uh, controversy. It'd be really interesting. Now, the Rock Hall has a new head of uh, new CEO. CEO. So, so uh, you know, good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'll let her go to. <laughs> but it'll be interesting, you know, if for no other reason, it'll be interesting. Uh, I think it's always interesting to see, you know, when they when they do the induction ceremonies, uh, you know, the chance to see Depeche Mode and Nine Inch Nails perform. I'm there. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to see, you know, uh, some bands do a tribute to T-Rex should be pretty cool. Um, And, you know, the Doobie Brothers will probably close it out, right? Okay. I am not sure if the Doobies will headline or Depeche Mode will headline. Hmm. And so I guess we'll, we're still waiting to hear on all the details on that. We will be right back to close out the show.
Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela, and this week, this geek girl is talking about The Witcher TV series. Netflix has been on a roll with new TV shows based off of comics and games, and The Witcher seemed like it would be a good series for them to make after the popularity of fantasy shows like Game of Thrones, The Dark Crystal, The Shannara Chronicles, which didn't get as much buzz and I still need to watch. But... Fantasy series seem to be a popular choice for viewers now, along with them being based off of games or comics. The Witcher showed that viewers want gritty, handsome heroes who fight monsters and also have an intriguing story going along around them. The Witcher shows us three timelines all going on during each of the episodes. At first, it takes you a little bit of time to realize that that is what's going on, because you're not really sure. And by the end of the season, the three timelines have melded and worked their way together into the current time of the show. The creatures in the show look awesome. The computer graphics are great. And notice I didn't say the monsters of the show because many of the humans in this show seem to be more monsters than the actual creatures in the show. The Witcher world is gritty, but also beautiful and fantastical. Each episode draws you in and you want to know what happens. There is also a great bard with some very catchy songs. I know I had Toss a Coin to Your Witcher stuck in my head for days after watching any of the episodes of this show. The ending of the season, bringing two characters together, but also leaving us with a lot of cliffhangers, was agonizing, and I need a second season now to show what happens. I understand why they ended the series that way, because the entire theme along was Garrett and the princess trying to get together and find each other for their destinies to finish, but I need to see more. I need more conclusion than that. Well, thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. Everyone these days could use a little support, and your friends at the ESO Network are no different. With the ESO Network Patreon, the cool thing is, is when you help support us, It's you who will benefit. With four tiers starting for as little as 25 cents a week, you can listen to some of your favorite network podcasts early, hear exclusive content, maybe get some ESO swag, or even possibly take a shot at the geek seat. All you need to do is sign up at patreon.com backslash ESO network. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. We want to thank our guests for being here. Michelle, thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Hey, always great. And I love what you do each week with your music blog. <laughs> Thanks. Anything you want to promote? Um, I have my most recent blog entry about this class at iconicrocktalkshow.wordpress.com. Excellent. And, you know, just keep up everything you do. It's really awesome. Thank you. And of course, Ricky and Bambi, thank you as always. Thank you for having us on the show. Yeah, yes. Yes, anywhere you guys going to be playing soon that people can find you. We have a few shows coming up, but the weekend of March 20th through 22nd, we will be uh, playing at Toylanta for their 20th anniversary. Yeah, that's right. Wow, 20 years. That's awesome. And it's always great to see you guys play because you're right there in the middle of everything. Mm-hmm. It is a fun yeah. show. It's a good yeah. time. 
I hope the hotel allows you to play all night. <laughs> I don't know. In some ways, it was kind of cool getting shut down when everybody was yelling out, play another song. Like, we've been playing an extra hour. It's like, we've been playing for five hours. Let us stop. Like, we Our have fingers are bleeding. In the guys. We need a nap before we have to get back up. That is awesome. And, of course, for your current schedule, do you guys have a website? Facebook is probably, well, radiocult.com, but the current stuff, like, for our calendar seems to be on Facebook right now. Okay. I say that, and I, I still need to update it. <laughs> I'm horrible. <laughs> I know it's horrible. Mandy runs to computer, updates Facebook. Oh, exactly. Exactly. So there you go. And, of course, my co-host, Mr. Mike. As always, it's my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about? I do. I want to give a shout out to the uh, folks over at the Needless Things podcast, our good friend Dave. Uh, we I was invited to provide a commentary for uh, the, this month's pick, uh, which is the 1984 movie Red Dawn, oh. which, to be honest, I hadn't, seen, I hadn't seen about <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen in like three decades. So. Uh, really, really fun to experience that movie again. Um, so, uh, thanks. That should be out by the time, uh, this is released. So check out needlessthings.com for our commentary. That is awesome. Dave has been doing a great job and he just hit an anniversary. Yes, he did. Yes. He's, uh, 300. Yeah. Number 300. Gosh, that is awesome. So, um, for me, I guess my shout out. God, I have so many different things I want to shout out about. I've been going to see some pretty amazing music the last few days, and I just wanted to give a shout out uh, to local music. You know, Ricky and Bambi are part of this. If you ever get a chance to go see live music, and it could be very small bands to these big bands, just the experience meeting people, talking to people during the show, or at, between songs or after the show, it's just, it is just awesome. You make new friends. A couple people we met at the show we went to last night are probably coming to our game night in a couple weeks. And, you know, it's just, it's pretty darn awesome. And, you know, you just, you never know what you're going to do and what kind of music and the energy and the atmosphere is just a lot of times really awesome. And, you know, definitely look it up, you know, Ticketmaster, Everbright. Uh, everyone has their alternative newspapers always have local concerts and you know social media nowadays is getting very iffy on things you can find so try to get on these bands mailing lists and such that way you could find out all the new information with them and everything and speaking of that we always love hearing from you guys please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com we have always tons of great things going on, you know, with the podcast and such. You can find us up on the brand new Earth Station One website, which is earthstation1.com. Doesn't get much easier than that, but we're still part of the ESO network. You could also go to esonetwork.com. We still have the Patreon. We still have the Facebook. We have the Twitter. We have the Instagram. We have everything, you know, folks. We are trying to get out there, but, you know, for the the best news for us, go to our Facebook page. Um, but I'm already finding out when we go onto Facebook that a lot of the stuff, sometimes people don't see it. So, you know, I think we might talk 
you know, Mike and I may be looking at doing a newsletter or something just to let you guys know what our upcoming schedules are or something, you know, even have that as part of the new earth station one page, have our upcoming schedule over the months and everything just so you know, Oh wait, Mike and Mike are talking about this or something. I think that'd be really awesome. But speaking of something really awesome and upcoming schedules, we got a great episode for you next week. We are going to go back to the movies once again, and we are going to be looking, you ready for this? The 1970s classic, Silent Running, and how it ties into today's society. And man, does it ever. I just watched it over the weekend, and I was like, Oh crap, this is happening now. So <laughs> it's going to be real interesting. We got a great crew for it. But until then, my name is Mike Faber, and I will see you here next time on the Air Station One podcast. Peace, and we are done. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Earth Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.